coming to you live on a Tuesday night with bags over our heads because we're jazz fans and embarrassed to be seen outside in public <laughs> for the first time in many seasons that we've felt this way. I am your host, Zach Hazeldine, joined as always by your also host, the one and the only, the handsome, the all-knowledgeable, the Wizard of Oz of this show, Ben Jones. The Wizard of Oz. How do you how do you sound so excited right now? Because that was a pretty you know good introduction. I would. Have what are you talking about? Why why Ben? What reasons in the world do I have to not sound excited? Oh, everything I, is peachy. I mean, the weather is starting to change. The NFL draft is right around the corner. The NHL trade deadline was yesterday. We got a few new listeners to the show. Mm-hmm. We're growing. We are a growing Utah Jazz podcast. Yeah. What What could be going wrong right now? Oh, Do you have any ideas? The fact that we're a, a, a growing Utah Jazz podcast. Maybe that's a problem. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, maybe it has something to do with the fact that the Jazz have, I hope, hit rock bottom. <laughs> oh, listen. We thought November. Wait, was it November or December? We thought November was rock bottom. We thought it was rock bottom again in December. And then we... Jeez. Remember in November when we were like, man, isn't it good to be getting this out of the way? (laughs) And then... We tank out. Before we get into the show, um, I do want to take a moment and thank a few new listeners for jumping on board. Um, Riley and Kenzie, very special welcome to you to the All That Jazz podcast. Um, Ben, do we have any other people that have recently joined, left comments, left reviews? There's a five-star review. He says, "This is these are the best podcasts in the world. Um, I don't know what that means, but I think he's referring to ours. And it says, I just found this channel a few months ago, but I've listened to like 50 of their podcasts and, and have loved every single one of the shows. That's from the underscore alpha zero on Apple iTunes. Or on iTunes. The Alpha Zero. Mm-hmm. We hope you're a real person. We hope you're not a Russian political hacker no, trying well, to influence. We, we welcome the Russian political ha- hackers as well. Um, yeah, in all reality, we'll take anyone. We'll we take get. anyone. Robots or not. Yeah. Alpha Zero, thank you for listening to the show. We know you're not a Russian political hacker, but even if you were, we'd love you anyway. Mm-hmm. AK-47 was a Russian. But he wasn't a Is a Russian. Yeah. Still is. Um, speaking of which, how awesome would he be in the NBA today? Awesome. He would, he's just what we need. Talk about a guy that was a decade early. There's this thing going around about five out basketball. Can I tell you who would have been optimal for that? Mr. Five by five himself, Andre Karolinko, Uh, AK-47. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. It's been uh, a rough couple of games. Very rough. I don't even know if I want to do a game recap. I don't know. I, I think all three of these games have been burn the tape. And I don't uh, want to relive any second of any of these games. Yeah, I mean, and, and to be honest with you, if we had, if we have fans that haven't watched the game yet, like I know there's a couple fans. Listen, if you're not watching the games, good for you. Very good thing for you. Yeah. If you have, if you have the ability to turn the game off, good for you. Seriously. I mean, you're doing yourself a favor. Your mental health is better (laughs) for not watching these guys. Um, Yeah, so what I was going to say, though, is if you have watched the games, you know what we're talking about. And if you haven't watched the games... You probably still know if you're checking in. Yeah, I mean, you'd just say, oh, man, I wouldn't want to watch this anyway. So what's the point in recapping it, right? Absolutely none, because just the fact that losing to the Suns the way we did... Losing to the Rockets and the Spurs, like those two. all in fashions yeah. of which were like watching. Do you know when? Like last week, we gave the little brother brother reference, mm. where how you have a little brother and you just beat him at everything. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the people who I thanked for listening was one of my little brothers, Riley, who disputed the fact that he's beating. He, he's never won in anything. Which is true. Um, he's never beat me in anything. And um, it kind of what it felt like was that we were now the little brother. And 
we kept trying to win, and no matter how hard we tried, the other team was just like, nice try. Seriously. The, the, the fact that I see the Suns fans, who I just despise with all my heart, Suns fans, and the fact that the Suns beat us the way they did, and not to mention the Ricky Rubio worshippers out there feeling vindicated for what happened last Andy night. Andy Bailey. Oh, boy. don't even. I, I don't even want to talk about Ricky Rubio because talk about just someone being beloved for just not being good. Yeah, I, I mean, that's the simple truth. And, 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 and I'm, I'm going to warn you all now, we're going to dive into – the good, the bad, and the ugly, and there's probably not a whole lot of good that we're going to discuss today, but we're going to try. But listen, I am going to go after members of the media. So if you know these people and you're close with them, make them listen. Up. Tell them to listen. Buckle up. We want we want the members of the media to listen to this and get mad at us. It'd be the best thing in the world. Absolutely. But but get ready. Um. My dad has been a Jazz fan for since day one. The first game that they played here in Salt Lake, he was at where they played, the Huntsman Center, sitting row one, watching the Utah Jazz play. Um, when they went down to the Salt Palace, when they literally were paying people to come inside, just please buy us a ticket for a dollar. We'll give you $10 worth of concession stands. This were These were the days where Miller was taking loans out to pay players we literally didn't have enough money to write checks that week <laughs> so we were taking loans upon loans to to pay players my dad would go down to the games at salt palace all the time he'd watch magic johnson sitting row one because that ticket was five bucks mm-hmm. <laughs> you know magic johnson versus the you know late 80s jazz and whatnot which is just kind of an awesome thing but i was talking to him the other day and he's notorious for turning the game off in the third quarter if they're losing. <laughs> and I I always get on him for that. You know, what are you doing, Dad? You can't watch. The, I mean, they're going to come back and win. And he just said, you know what? I care so much about these guys that when they play bad, it puts me in such a bad mood that it is just better for me to turn them off. And I never really understood that. I, I like, called him a Fairweather fan. I, I got on his case, you know. And after this weekend, I now completely understand what he's talking about. Absolutely. Like, this has been just the worst three games stretch I feel like ever. And to tell you the truth, I did that against the Suns last night. With about four and a half minutes left, I was just like, you know what? I would rather watch The Bachelor with my sister then uh, watch this crap. And uh, I did. That's where we're at. I chose, l- listeners. The Bachelor over the Utah Jazz. I chose The Bachelor over the Utah Jazz. And let me tell you, The Bachelor sucked. It's a terrible TV show. I get it. If you like it, whatever. Boy, it was better than watching The Jazz. It was. I was watching fake real television of these people being in a fake relationship and you know getting married and then divorced two years later because that's what happens with you know the bachelor i chose that over watching probably you know the biggest passion in our lives the utah jazz that is how angry i was last night i've started to gain weight i started to stress eat um i don't know if i have a lot of acne popping up but it's right around the corner uh i'm moody I would say I'm generally agitated. These are all things that we're feeling right now. Mm-hmm. Last night, I was on a thread with my friends, many of which listen to this show. I probably owe an apology to each of you, but it'll never come via the text line. <laughs> um, where I went through a range of emotions where, and I don't know if you jazz fans can relate to this, but during the game, I was just kind of irritated. And it was because I got I am so sick and tired of watching play after play go by where it's uncontested layup three ball missed shot down on the other end after one and out come back down three ball and it's just constant 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 so i went through this phase where i said you know what quinn snyder needs to get a little jerry sloan in him and if he sees a guy slacking out on the floor where effort's not there he needs to start benching guys 
Start pulling them out of games. I don't care if it's Rudy. I don't care if it's Donovan. Pull them out of a game. Don't look at them when they walk off the floor. Don't tell them they did a good job. Sit them at the end of the bench, and when it becomes time to check them back in when their usual rotation happens, look at them and then look at the guy next to them and put the guy next to them in the game <laughs> instead of that guy. So you're just telling <laughs> telling him to be a jerk? Pretty much. I'm telling Quinn to be a jerk. Um, <laughs> Carl Malone was notorious at the start of the season, but even at the end of the season for walking in the locker room, calling Greg Ostertag a fat ass to inspire him to play better and yelling at him until he started to play better. A little tough love kind of an approach. And I went through this motion last night where I was like, bench everybody. Bench Royce, bench Donovan, bench Conley, bench Rudy, bench Joe. All of these guys, this is no longer a basketball squad. This is a bum squad. That's the level that we have reached. And I hit this low where I just blow up and I say all these things to my friends. And they are all telling me I'm crazy. But So I felt that way. Yeah. Ben, can you relate? Absolutely. Where do you think we start to just like – got to break down some of this stuff because, I mean, we, we have to analyze what's going on. That's why they pay us, right? That's why we do this. With theoretically, that's why they pay. Us. Theoretically, that is why we get paid for this. Even though we've never seen a check, that's why we're we're on this show is to give the people what they want. Mm-hmm. So, having felt this emotion, which I'm going to tell you something right now, Jazz fans, if you feel that way, you are totally justified. If you feel that Quinn needs to start benching guys and yelling at them mid-game, you are completely justified. I'm not going to tell you what's right and wrong. Um, but I am. We are going to go through what we think is going on. And w- t- listeners, we there's a reason we have a podcast and we're not in the front office. We don't know what we're talking about. We are a fan reaction show. Yeah, <laughs> we react the same way that your buddies at the water cooler do. We mm-hmm. just happen to watch every Utah Jazz basketball game. Yeah, and I don't want to say that we know more than you because we don't. But we're on doing this podcast and you're listening so we do feel like we should provide some sort of value to your life Mm -hmm. maybe it's just to have a conversation with you maybe it's to represent a conversation or opinion that you have either way this is how we feel and this is why we're jumping in yeah ben in your humble opinion what's going on uh i think there's a couple things and it's the most the thing i see is just they can't, like, play with good effort for 48 minutes. Whatever that, like, entails, there's no hustles. There's no – they don't really lock in for 48 minutes. That's I guess that's what I – the thing that stands out to me. There's always a loss of focus. There's always bad stretches. And really every game we've played. And that's what I've noticed. Oh, and and then I think that's totally just. I mean, we we're in that Rockets game until we allow thirty eight points in the third quarter. You know, and why did that happen? It's because we lost focus. We've been talking about that for months and months and months now about our inability to keep focus throughout an entire game. Um, I think you know I, I heard some some interesting analysis by someone who we kind of like to go after, but. Not really. Um, David Locke, I don't know if he knows that we're friends of the show, um, but nonetheless, he's the great David Locke, announcer for the Utah Jazz and founder of the Locked On Sports Network and host of the Locked On Jazz podcast. Um, I tune in every once in a while. When we're winning, I really don't listen, but when things start going wrong, I usually am left trying to find answers, and that certainly was where I was today and trying to think about, man, what on earth is going on? And he had a pretty interesting take that I thought was worthy of bringing up. And Mm -hmm. he really dates it back to um, February 1st when we played the Houston Rockets that did not have James Harden, Russell Westbrook, or Clint Capella. We all chalked it up as an easy win until they rolled out a five-out lineup, which is kind of a buzzword that you're hearing amongst Utah Jazz circles right now. Because after that game, Mike D'Antoni said, we figured out the Utah Jazz on offense, if Rudy Gobert is near the rim, we are not playing basketball the right way. Meaning, we're going to use a five-out offense to draw Rudy Gobert out of the paint, and whatever side he's not standing on, we're going to 
attack the rim from that side. He's on the left side of the floor because P.J. Tucker or Westbrook, whoever it is, is over on that side. It does not matter that Rudy is 10 feet away from the three line where Westbrook's standing. He's still 10 feet away from the basket. Someone's going to the lane from the other side, or they're generating threes because everything's collapsed. They have essentially taken Rudy out of the game mm-hmm. defensively and changed our defensive identity. That's an interesting point because we, we talk about the reason Gobert is so valuable is his effect in the paint and how teams really are just fearful to go towards the rim when he's there. Like we see it in almost every game. We almost it's something you have to look for to see his effect. You know, Matt Harpering always talks about the Rudy Gobert effect whenever something happens, but and he's right. Um, but what if you don't put guys in the paint to begin with? See, that's now you've negated him. Mm-hmm. And that's that's something that I think Quinn's gonna have to figure out how we're gonna defend if we're gonna have to do like a matchup zone on the perimeter. Where I'm impressed you thought of that because that's what Locke. A matchup zone? He kind of said he's like, the only thing I can think of is maybe we have to start playing zone full-time. I don't know about, like, full-on zone. Do you know what a matchup zone is? Yeah, you, 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 it's a zone, but you're taking the guy that's yeah. primarily in that region. My, my And you're following him as yeah. if it was man until you reach a limit and then bounce back out. Yeah, my high school basketball coach was, like, obsessed with installing a matchup zone, and it never worked out because we were – too dumb to actually like concentrate and lock in but i don't i guess that's what we're gonna have to do against you know the rockets or i i also think that point of playing five out while i do think um teams should do that against rudy that's probably the best thing to do to not have him it's in the gate rudy gobert uh i would be interested to see how they can execute that. Teams that don't usually execute that. I I would be a fan of this. And so, first, before we go on, credit to David Locke for all that information that we just shared. That was totally his take. He backed it up with some data, and he's calling it his hypothesis right now, meaning that it's not 100% proven, but something that he's seen a trend. He pulled a bunch of numbers that were really interesting mm-hmm. about when guys when teams run a five out lineup. This is how our defense fares, and it's essentially last in the league. So I, it's we're like minus nine per hundred possessions. Another like, another point about that though is that we we can't depend on Rudy this much. We have to have guys. We have to be able to like the team has to be able to defend against five out without relying on the Rudy Gobert effect. Well, so interesting you say that. What happens to Rudy, who I think takes defense personally? Absolutely. I think that he knows that's his domain, and he knows that's where he has the biggest impact on the game and why he's there and why we're probably going to ex- give him a super max, you know, whenever we can. Is it this summer or is it next? I don't know. Whenever, I, uh... whenever we can, he's probably due for the super max, and we're probably going to give it to him. Um, but I, so, and here's the thing that I think causes Rudy a lot of frustration. Why should I have to try to be this defensive juggernaut when you, Donovan Mitchell, let Devin Booker or Rubio or who's that other Carter cat? Oh, Javon Carter. Javon Carter blow past you on defense Yeah. for possession after possession. And I'm not there to cover you. Why is that on me? Mm-hmm. Now I'm frustrated because I'm Rudy Gobert and I take defense Absolutely. personally. And Donovan, you're not doing anything to defend. A lot of things that I, it's it's a lot of stuff that's unit based. Like the, there needs to be communication. We, I think we said earlier on one of the shows a couple months ago that, or I said it, um, that communication is like the ball movement of defense. Yeah, exactly. Where, How ball movement to offense? You're saying is. Like the blender for us is exactly. what you're saying. Communicating is the equivalent on defense. Yeah, exactly. Like you look at uh, Pat Beverly or Marcus Smart. The the reason why the, those guys are successful are one, they're crazy people, but two, those guys. Oh, same with PJ Tucker. Those guys don't shut up when they're on defense. They don't shut up when they they try to they try to over communicate. Like you, there's such a thing as overpassing. There's not such a thing as over-communicating on defense, which, because when you're talking 
though it's like eyes for you to just hear you know more ways to see what's going on on the defensive end of the court which i think that needs to change and the focus there's a lot of back cuts happening there's a lot of i mean that russell westbrook dunk case in point yeah i know that was on rudy you know what i'm saying yeah like that example probably is not a good one but that was probably one of the highlights from one of the games that's been played recently was that once again rudy's not there to defend the pick he goes over to try to stop Harden, throws it over his head and Westbrook skies as if he's yeah. in the dunk contest to finish with one hand yeah. way above the rim and this explosion dunk i mean it was incredible and and so much of defense is a unit thing where well, and that's that's the thing is like you start looking at all this stuff and you go, okay, so yes, the five out thing, I do believe in agreement with David Locke. I do believe he's not one of the media guys I'm going to call out today. Yeah, I don't Locke. think so because he's been. And pretty, I'm not, he's been I'm not going to call out Tony Jones either. Tony's been rational too. Yeah, I mean, and it's he's just reporting stuff. Um, so I'm not calling those two guys out, but the rest of them, and I'll get to you in a minute. You're about to get burned. You should call me out too. Why? Am I technically part of the media? I'm not calling you. You haven't said anything stupid yet. I maybe I have. I haven't listened to the. You go write an article for Salt Lake City Trib and call out all of the Jazz front office, all of the coaching staff who already hate you, and blame everything on them. And then I will call you out. Yeah. So all right. All right. we'll get to that in a minute. Well, should we just? Yeah. What, what, are, what are you about to say? Well, so the thing that I was going to say is like. The five out thing—that's one thing. Mm-hmm. Like you've got that going on, and Locke kind of talks about this too. And this is the part where I think this combines with what I was saying earlier, where I'm so upset. I wish Quinn would start benching guys to get the message across to him. Okay, and I don't want to take it that far. I think there are so many little things that are being ignored, with the expectation of the greatest results to happen. That guys are getting frustrated when everything doesn't go right. And it's like, you look at a game and it's like, Royce O'Neal doesn't get back in transition defense, which is part of the reason why we paid him $9 bucks Because yeah, he's too busy arguing with the ref the, to get back. And it's like, Royce, I hate to break it to you, bro, but out of everybody on the floor, you're the last guy that has credibility with the officials. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, what, whatever happened with Royce after he got paid, I... He's been terrible. He's lost some the edge I felt like he had. Keep in mind, it's also been since this whole five-out thing happened in early February. Listen, like, the point of it all is, what I'm trying to get at with what you just said, defense is not a Rudy Gobert thing. Mm-hmm. It is an everyone thing. Yeah. And there are a lot of guys that lose focus, that get distracted, that take the playoff, that get back cut. I mean, I was watching the game the other day, and, like, there's moments where they try really hard for 10 seconds, and then they fall asleep. And part of my rant to my friends is I I said that Joe looked like a cold cup of coffee, which is a direct <laughs> insult because he's a big coffee oh, guy. Man. You look like a cold cup of coffee from yesterday out there. And I'm just going to say it. That's the simple truth. Mm-hmm. It's not pretty to look at. Donovan, that's really cool that you've tried so hard on offense – and especially in the fourth quarter, but I mean, come on, why do why do we have to put ourselves in this position to begin with? You know, do you, you get what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, and, and and from this, I think team frustration starts to become a thing where Rudy gets pissed because guys aren't trying on defense, and then he doesn't get the ball mm-hmm. on offense. Now he's really pissed. Well, Donovan gives up a ton of stuff, and everyone's pissed at him. But then he tries really hard on offense. And suddenly the chemistry of the team, which we've relied on for forever, no longer matters, and everyone's pointing fingers at everyone and at the official while the other team gets a fast break dunk. Yeah, and I, but the thing about that, about the five out on defense, is we should be a good enough defensive team where that doesn't necessarily matter that we don't have Gobert at the paint, where we should be able to at least be okay defensively against the five out but we are atrocious against the five out or you know a big on the perimeter i can't remember the numbers i listened to park locks podcast right before the show but it's like we're like a combined like during the minutes that teams played 
five out against us. I can't remember exactly what it was, but it, we were like a negative fifty-one See, during those like minutes where we're just getting annihilated. But my point is like the Rockets don't right now don't have a rim protector, but they're a unit right now defensively. And if they're going to take away Rudy Gobert's thing, the other guys need to step up, and they're not stepping up. Exactly. That's ultimately it. That kind of brings us back to point one is it defense is not a Rudy Gobert thing. He's not an eraser for defensive yeah. mistakes, which is something we've probably been in the habit of doing for far too long. We, I think, And that, that weakness has been exploited. I think we got to talk about uh, – crap, what was I just going to say? I lost it. Um, I have more things to say. Mm-hmm. And it's going to go into this Andy Larson stuff. This is the part where we burn down the media. Oh, before we do that, uh, there's a special thanks to the guy who made the Jazz Adversity Cycle. Who I sh- That's the thing I sent to you. Yeah, walk us through this, because this is actually quite hilarious. It's hilarious. Uh, so I follow a guy on Twitter. His name's Splash Nephew. Uh, his name's, or I guess his, that's his account name, Splash Nephew on Twitter. Uh, his name is Steve with the basketball. Um, he made this adversity cycle, and I thought it was hilarious and accurate, too. Uh, so it starts, I guess, it says, No effort or intensity in the first three quarters. Get down by double digits. Try harder in the fourth quarter. Lose by five to ten points. Then the post-game quote, we need to try harder, and then post-fit check on Instagram. I thought that was hilarious, and I just wanted to mention that because I needed some laugh laughters. Oh, and that, that it, it, and that's kind of what we're summing up right now, mm-hmm. right? Is And as fans, we also feel that we get stuck in that cycle mm-hmm. where we look like prima donnas who are entitled and think that we're the... 2017 Golden State Warriors where we can just decide to show up and turn it on at will and in the fourth quarter say oh crap we're going to lose to the Phoenix Suns you know during this stressful time in all of our lives I think it's important to know to note that you know what we're at least we're not Knicks fans you know this could be a lot worse let's I'm gonna try to be grateful because what a terrible just show the Knicks are how awful they've been. But here's the problem: we're consoling ourselves with saying, "Well, at least we're not the Knicks." At least we're not the Knicks. In a season that we were supposed to be contenders, where we were saying a month ago that we were, mm-hmm. we were saying a week ago, "Oh, lucky for us, we made it through the hard part of the season. Get yeah. ready to get going down the stretch because it's going to be a bumpy ride." Now yeah. we've lost three in a row. We've dropped to fifth. And we're apparently in a free fall. We play the Celtics tomorrow night. Yeah. And we've got a team that can't stop anything. Yeah. I mean, we, we couldn't. Yeah. For whatever reason, our identity has changed. It really has. And last year, I here's my, my theory on it is that last year we were the scrappy underdogs. And this year we have actual talent, so we're no longer the scrappy underdogs anymore. Or mm-hmm. so we are the we don't have that you know scrapper mentality anymore. No, we we, we absolutely do not. Yeah, and, and it's the Jay Crowders of the world that we're missing. It's the yeah all those that really like we're not going to let us show up and get punked night in and night out. Mm-hmm. Those are the guys that we're missing. Um, so I think, and here's the other thing that I think is happening, another popular a taken opinion that's floating around. Maybe there is a little dissension in the locker room. Maybe there's a little beef mm. going on between Rudy and Donovan. I Maybe don't know. I don't think there is. And we'll, we'll, we'll discuss this, but you go on. Sorry. Well, the point of it all is I think that there is some effort issues. There's frustrations with, and maybe it's not beef. Maybe it is effort and frustration with one another like i'm so sick of how things are going i'm just not going to try anymore yeah and so you lose focus because you're so sick of it i think that's being led by donovan and rudy and if it's not being led by them they're not taking the charge and correcting the problem which is what they should be doing coaches should not have to coach effort intensity and yeah you know how hard are we going to play tonight yeah 
Coaches should not be coaching that. Yes. Players should be coaching Thinking themselves in that. That this the lack of effort and intensity is on the coaching staff is just an absolute joke. Well, and, and yeah, I mean, if that's really where we're at, that's that's yeah. not cool. I mean, that and it kind of goes back to the thing that like Sloan was probably different because Sloan would have killed any player in the world. Yeah, I don't know for not trying hard, and anyone on the other team for saying something to one of his players. Yeah. I don't know if Sloan would have worked in 2019. He might. Well, I, I actually think he would have. 2020, sorry. I st- I'm still in 2019. <laughs> Come on, Ben. Let's it's almost here. March, and I still think it's 2019. I think there is something to it, though, when Malone and Stockton were the ones that ran that team in that locker mm-hmm. room. Do you see what I'm saying? Rudy and Donovan need to be the ones that are saying, look, I, I don't want to call for a players-only meeting. Oh, that's please. the last thing no. we need Listen. is Andy Larson get a hold of a players-only meeting notes. Let me tell you, players only meetings are That's when you know like that's the sign of destruction. Yeah, it like, really is. There's no turning back. Where the, the brakes are blown, this train's out of yeah. control. There's no turning back now. Yeah. I think the Bulls probably have a players only meeting every after every game. Once a week. So that's that's also held by Boylan. So Yeah, at least we're not the Bulls. You know what? At least we're not the Bulls. Right. And so moving away from the whole like effort thing, I hope Don and Rudy are taking mm-hmm. care of it. I can also see a scenario where a lot of guys like Bogey and Conley and probably even Joe, who are guys that are really competitive and want to win, find themselves scratching their heads saying, I don't really know how to solve this problem because this isn't my team. Mm-hmm. What do you mean, this isn't my team? This is Rudy's team, and it's Donovan's team. Oh. Conley can't walk in and start commanding the locker room because well, it's not his. they're not his guys yet. But the thing They is, might not ever be. Do you get what I'm saying? But the thing is, like... So now he's, like, out there on the floor going, okay, like, we talked about this before the game. I want to be a good teammate. I'm going to show them whatever it is we talked about. And then Rudy Joe's like, oh, just do everything, you know, blah, blah, blah. And then Donovan t- tries to take over, doesn't pass the ball. Clarkson gets in and is this happy little burst of energy and bright spot in the game. And then the wheels fall off the bus again and no one has any answers and f- or feels like they can talk about it. You know what I mean? But the thing is, like, if you're a role player, you shouldn't try to command the locker room. Just control what you can control and just control your effort, really. And same with the stars. And the fact is, like, they can't sit there and say, I need to take control of this locker room if if it's not their place. They just need to play better, and they need to be more focused. And I think hopefully they will, but that's ultimately what needs to happen, I think. that They just need, need to not try to worry about anyone else in the locker room but themselves because right now, if you're, if you're getting angry at not getting the ball, Rudy, or, like, Donovan – playing hero ball, Joe not being aggressive, Mike having some bad games. He's had two pretty bad games. But he also had four really good games, which people don't want to give him that. Um, And then Royce, who is not the same as he was earlier in the year. Guys are not being themselves, which is why I think we're going to get out of this alive. But I think we all kind of had the sleeper championship hopes and i don't think we have that idea anymore maybe it's time to reset expectations we should have reset expectations a long time ago we probably should have we're jazz fans but we're jazz fans so there's that walking away from this little conversation we've had i think the points that we take and the answers that we are trying to provide you as fans is we give you our expert analysis here on the all that jazz podcast we're suggesting maybe a match zone. Matchup zone? Matchup zone. And uh, perhaps a little bit more collective team made awareness. All I'm asking for. What can I do to be the best teammate that I can be? All I'm asking for is, like, just play harder and better. You know, the thing my old AAU coach used to say to me when I was a kid, or not to me, to our team, when we would be playing like crap. He would always say, have some pride. And the Jazz need to have some pride on the defensive end of the court, ultimately. I could not have said what you just said any better. And that's that's a shout-out to everybody on the team. 
Um, I want to go through another train of thought that I think many jazz fans have had, and I've also kind of caught fire in the yeah. media, and that is that the Utah Jazz are cursed. Yes, we are. We absolutely are. Cursed. I was talking with my wife, and I said, oh, man, this is great ammo for the show because I read the KSL article about the yellow jerseys, which even Quinn Snyder caught a hold of, who I would not take as a superstitious guy, and said, yeah, we're never wearing those again. That's not even superstition. The yellow jerseys, first of all, they suck. They don't look good. I actually really like the yellow jerseys. Oh, really? Oh, wow. We differ on that. We differ. I prefer the yellow jerseys. I I actually really like them. Boo. Boo. Yeah, I, I think they're great. What I don't like is all the fake yellow jerseys that are out there where, like, the green's slightly off, and it's like, ooh. You just went from, like, jazz green to looking like the logo for Lime Scooters. Totally different thing. Yeah. My point with the yellow jerseys is not only do they not look good, I will stand by that, we also play like crap in them. That is something that I can get behind. Yeah. And if I were to give advice to anyone in the Utah Jazz front office, if we have that kind of a reach, out of all 170 listeners that we have on this show, is that where we're at right now? Mm-hmm. About 170? Yep. Do not let those jerseys on the premises, not on the block. We know Qu- we know Quinn Snyder listens Give to them the show. away. Give them to junior jazz teams so that the junior jazz teams can lose. Do not let them in the building. Take them out of the team store. Don't sell them. Don't have somebody wear them into the place. Kick them out of games for it. Treat it as if they are threatening to blow up the building if they walk in with a freaking yellow jersey on. No yellow jerseys. Period. Also, jazz fans, if you own a yellow jersey... You should send a text and ask them if you can exchange it. or And if you don't, just burn it. Let's get rid of it, man. Get rid of it. That is the only way Actually, to break a curse is to burn it. Yeah, burn it or uh, donate it to charity because you're doing a good deed and karma, and that'll help us. I had a friend of the show that kind of introduced this whole the jazz or curse thing to me, and he said, here's the thing. The yellow jerseys are something, but we also lost when we wore the white jerseys and the blue jerseys. So we've lost in many different jerseys now. Here's the problem with it all. He said, I think the only thing that we can do, because it's not just the yellow jerseys, we have an existing curse to it all. He suggested that we burn a saxophone and a bear heart, (laughs) and that would somehow reverse the curse. This person will say his name is Alan, friend of the show. That was his idea. Should we... I had to question him. I said, I don't exactly know how to burn a saxophone. I think if I go and light a fire in the backyard and throw a saxophone on it, it'll just be a really hot saxophone. I think we ought to do that. A bear heart? I don't know where you get those. A bear heart? I'm not going to go kill a bear. Have you seen The Revenant? I have not, but I'm not going to go kill a bear. Yeah, yeah, don't kill a bear. Uh, So do do you go to Bear Hearts R Us to get a bear heart? All right. All right, I got the solution. I have a jazz hat with the with the jazz bear on the hat. I, you know, can you cut the heart out of that? <laughs> no, we can just that can be the heart replacement. So burn it. That's a good way to go viral. If we really want to grow, we should just light a saxophone on fire. And we have a YouTube channel we could host it on. There's like seven <laughs> people that follow it. We post all our shows to YouTube. Yeah, um, if you want to listen, if you want to see what we look like, we're two goons in a basement studio. Yeah. Um. I have a different solution to all these things, though, and a proposition to make to everybody. I have touted burning the media. Uh, so instead of burning the saxophone, we're going to burn the media to the ground. Yes, That's I'm about why... to burn the media to the ground, and this is exactly why whatever funk we've got going over top of us now, and I, I'm very hesitant to use these words, but a hex may be upon us. Mm-hmm. Okay. Before you start that, I wanted. I think we're also part of the problem with the curse, because we should we stop doing the podcast? No, 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 absolutely not. Uh, <laughs> There's probably a lot of people like, please just stop doing the podcast. <laughs> please stop doing. We this. are the ones that campaigned for Rudy Gobert's All Star. Okay, guess what happened? He got the All Star nod. And we play like happened? crap. We suck now. We haven't won since the All Star break was over. The All Star, all that jazz curse. There it is. So how do you want to do that? You don't. 
There has to be a way that you undo it. I want you to go flip a hundred coins and only pick the ones up that are heads. All right, that, that's a psychopath. A psychopath does. That. No, this is how you reverse curses. I've lived my entire life trying to reverse curses. Yeah. One time, my brother threw a mirror into a dumpster. Had to ask. I, I had to call very reliable sources to say this is what just you know breaking the mirror. That's terrible luck. Mm-hmm. I had to call very intelligent sources and say, what do we do now? The conclusion was we flip a penny. If it lands heads up, you pick it up. Curse reversed. I think there's an office reference where the office gets cursed. It's when mm. Michael Scott hits Meredith Palmer with his car, and then somehow the show turns into rabies awareness. It's one of the greatest shows of all time. Um, our podcast has found a reverse to this curse. And that's in terms of whenever Andy Larson speaks, pay attention because it's usually a terrible take. And it also means that whatever he just said, the next game will become completely irrelevant. I quote from a post made in the Salt Lake City Tribune, which I think was from today or maybe last night. One of Quinn Snyder's key jobs is to motivate his players, and clearly that hasn't been effective recently says Andy. So I suppose there's some criticism within that. He continues, and this is where it really gets rich, and I think if this continues, significant blame has to be assigned at the feet of one Dennis Lindsay, Justin Zanuck, and the front office. They gave up two first-round picks, Jay Crowder, Kyle Korver, and Grayson Allen for a young player, Mike Conley, or not a young player, for a player, Mike Conley, that hasn't contributed much and realistically looks to be on the downside of his career. That's a lot of chips for not that much return. He's got a point. What's his point? Was his point to unhex us? Here's, I think, his point. His point is that a lot of the offseason stuff we did hasn't worked out, and he's right about part of that. Ed Davis, Jeff Green hasn't worked out. Let's be honest. It didn't work out. Mike Conley. Way to go. Like, way to go, Andy, for calling out something that everybody said was a sure bet. Everybody said that. I I still think the Mike Conley thing is unanswerable until the end of the season. I'm still giving it time. I think it's unanswerable until next year. Yeah. To be honest with you, that's where I'm at with it. So he continues. Bogdanovich has worked out well, and Emmanuel Moutier is fine, but Jeff Green and Ed Davis were horror show fits from day one. Ideally, the front office should have been able to see that coming, that they were square pegs in round holes. In their defense, I didn't see it coming, and neither did most Jazz fans, but part of the job is avoiding landmines, and they haven't avoided these ones. What Andy was saying was he wanted the front office to see the future. Because once again, everybody, including you, Andy, I would love to go back and find the receipts, said that the Jazz offseason was a humongous splash, that everything was perfect, that Ed Davis was phenomenal, we finally got free agents interested in coming here, that had title aspirations, and how great was it all. We all were basking in that sunlight, and now you're calling the front office out. Come on. Not to mention, we already know that the whole Jazz front office and Quinn Snyder doesn't like you. You further burnt a bridge that did not exist. You're furthering yourself away. But, in a way, we owe you a thank you because you have reversed the curse. Because you said this, I can guarantee you we beat the Celtics tomorrow night. Ben just knocked on wood. You heard it here first, folks. The Utah Jazz All That Jazz podcast is calling it out. Thank you, Andy Larson. You've guaranteed us a victory. Was that scorching? Uh, Yeah, I guess. Um, It gets better. But wait, there's more. I had to knock on wood. You had to knock on wood. Could have been really bad. I I think the Utah Jazz win tomorrow night. I'm going to stake my... We're knocking on wood again here. Oh, great. Every time you say it, I got to do it. My dog, not that we're recording this in my basement, but my dog heard us knocking and now he's upstairs barking, <laughs> waking up our baby. Oh, great. That's okay. Um, it gets better. Andy Bailey, not a friend of the show. No, no, no. 
He tweets out this peach. Are you ready? Mike Conley, eight points, three TLV, one assist, one rebound. Stills, or zero stills, minus 10. Ricky Rubio, 22 points, one TOV, 11 assists, six rebounds, seven stills, plus 31. Thank you, Andy Bailey, for opening the ESPN app and reading it to us and then tweeting it again. Thank you for using one game where someone played mediocre, kind of have a down night. Thank you for exploiting it. Your whole hypothesis of Rudy Go or Rudy Ricky Rubio is better than Mike Conley is completely true, and you've proved it to all of us, you gigantic idiot. Nothing pisses me off more than those stack comparison he does because it just doesn't work, and it it's always used to really just negotiate or not negotiate to amplify whatever point he wants to make. It's so dumb, and it's not accurate. Can I tell you what I'm sick of and the point I'm trying to get with this? What? I haven't mentioned Ben Dowsett's firestorm that he tweeted out last night of video highlights of, let me prove what I'm saying is true to you. These are all knee-jerk reactions to something that, and, and I'm calling myself out here because I realize that all of us get unlevel-headed, but here's the difference. I'm not in the media being an idiot. I don't have thousands of followers I'm not a credentialed member of the Utah Jazz that goes off on Twitter providing these knee-jerk reaction shows. What I'm trying to say and where I'm trying to leave the podcast right now, what evidence has Dennis Lindsay given us to not trust him? Uh, in what, in, trust him at what level? Running the Utah Jazz in the right direction. Okay. That is a good point because if you're saying, do we trust Dennis Lindsay to win a championship for the Jazz? What evidence does he? What what what's the evidence? Has he not given us every reason to think that we have trend that we're trending upward? That we have been year over year over year. See that I agree with, but it's not Dennis Lindsay's fault that we're in Salt Lake and free agents don't want to come here. Okay, so that's maybe maybe that's aspect. But even in spite of that, Quinn Snyder yes. led a team. That was winning 20 games a year mm -hmm. to 30 games, to 40 games, to the playoffs, to the playoffs, losing a star in the midst of it all yeah. in free agency and doesn't even blink. Mm -hmm. And suddenly we're ready to burn it all to the ground? We are fifth in the conference. This is still a correctable show. Not to mention maybe our expectations were through the roof to begin with and the front office probably didn't have those expectations like we all did does that i mean does this not all add up to somebody out there or am i crazy i think criticizing the front office anytime a year later when you definitely had that same opinion is just dumb like when when people say like the you could have drafted this guy well you wouldn't have done it so why are you criticizing them for making the wrong draft pick? You know, that's the that's my problem is that in the moment no one really knows what's going to happen a year from now. If a year from now I told you who's playing Jason Tatum right now, people are putting him in the future superstar category. If a year from now I told you, "Hey, Jason Tatum is going to struggle in in February of 2021." I would believe that. Okay? Because from what we know in the NBA, Everything is unpredictable. Right now, Donovan's struggling, but if a year from now you told me, hey, this guy becomes more consistent and he has this fourth year level and he's a lot better, I'd believe you. But I, I like it's the problem is what I think you're saying is that a lot of times we, in a way, we put too much stock in the regular season and we also don't put enough stock in the regular season because ultimately it doesn't matter for championships. But also judging players off like a hot three weeks or something, we think of them as like future superstars, which is happening with Jason Tatum right now. But my point is, I think the same thing that goes with the Jazz right now. And I'm going to quote Stan Van Gundy, failed head coach in the NBA. He says, don't judge a team or a player off their worst or their best game because that's going to get you confused. So the Jazz have either been the worst team in the NBA or the best team in the NBA. For about a month now. 
We won ten games. We lost five games. We won five games. We've lost three games. Yes. So the point I'm trying to make is the knee-jerk reactions to big things happening, good or bad, let's just stop. And I know me saying that's not going to say like change anything. But you know what? The best prediction you can make is the one is admitting that you don't know what's going to happen. There well, we go. I'm not following that advice because I do know what's going to happen. The Jazz are going to win tomorrow night against the Seas. <sighs> don't I'll, do it again because the dog will bark. I will do it after the show or some point. After the show. Um, I think this has been a fun show. Uh, yeah. I, I want to kind of reiterate that I probably owe a lot of people apologies for my scorching hot takes of wanting the entire Jazz starting lineup to get benched for Rajon Tucker, mm-hmm. and I want to see Jarrell Brantley out there yeah, I want mixing to, it up. I, I think I want him to go punch DeAndre Ayton in the face. <laughs> you know, Last night before I went to bed and fall, fell asleep, I was thinking to myself, you know what, let's, let's just start everyone on the stars. Let's start Justin Wright Foreman. Ray John Tucker, Mieoni, Jarrell Brantley, and Jawan Morgan. Let's just let's just do that. Maybe we should start going to Stars games because I bet that lineup's fire, man. Oh, it's probably so much fun. I bet it's a blast. Lots of dunks, all sorts of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um. Anyways, what I'm trying to say is, Jazz fans out there, you're completely justified in thinking all of this stuff, feeling everything, but in the end. I think that we have reason to believe that Dennis Lindsay and Quinn Snyder are going to figure this out. We're going to have a great playoff run. It might end in the second round. Hopefully we get past it. And mm-hmm. it's all up from here, and we're, this is a, something we're not thinking about. The encouraging news is I truly do believe it can only go up from here. Yeah, let's help. Let's help. Do you have any final thoughts or parting words of wisdom? Um, Anything else we've missed that we needed to get to? You know, a lot of a lot of times guys just really suck, and that's what's happening. Like, you look at it, like Donovan had a great game last night, I thought. He tried, had 38, he was scoring. Um, but you know who else didn't play great? The rest of the team. Okay? So my point is, I guess, guys are going to struggle. For whatever reason, Joe's been inconsistent. He also had a point in the season where I felt like I didn't see him miss for 10 games straight. So let's just wait for the hot streak to come because I think it's going to happen. And uh, I hate the Rockets. So Hate the Rockets, man. I, I want to rip Mike D'Antoni. Every single time we play him, I think he's a clown and a joker. But then they get us every single time. Yeah. So, if nothing else has been a humbling experience, go Jazz. Let's get the ship corrected. Everybody do something that brings them good luck. Find quarters that are heads up. Don't walk underneath bridges or uh, underneath ladders. If you see a black cat, run the other way. Yeah. Burn a saxophone and a bear heart. And uh, let's get back into the winning ways. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Go Jazz. We're going to beat the Celtics. By the way, Haywood. You still suck. <laughs>